Well, good morning. Do I detect a veiled threat there? Yes, just a little one. Okay. Well, it's great to be here. I look out over the student body and I see a lot of familiar faces from last year and uh, some guys and girls from camp, and it's great to be here with you. NBBI is one of my favorite places to be, and it's always a joy to be able to come here for conferences and to be able to be here to minister from time to time in chapels. Now, I was trying to figure out something when I first came in after you were all seated, and I looked around, and I see the uh, greater number of people is on this side of the chapel. And I, and I thought about that for a while, and I thought, why are they all over there? And then I looked back, and I saw a, a, a whole row um, empty back there. And then I looked back at that row, and I saw a whole bunch of people from Sandy Cove Bible Camp. And I thought... I thought they had showers at Sandy Cove Bible Camp, but apparently this group is somewhat excluded. I don't know why, but anyway, good to see all of you here. And I want to say a special welcome to Dennis McCorry, well known to most of you here at NBBI as the director of Sandy Cove Bible Camp. And um, amazingly enough, I am his boss, and sometimes I wake up at night thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say in a bad way. All right, well, we wanted to be here to introduce to you a little bit about CSSM Ministries, and we have a theme this year, well, it's going into next year, it's called Building Our Team in 2013, and this is something we are focusing on this year, trying to uh, build up our numbers. We need some new people in CSSM. We have some camps that don't have directors. We have ministries out there waiting to be conducted if people will just uh, get on board with us. So we're looking forward to doing that. Another thing we want to do is build ourselves up spiritually. Uh, You know, we can do all the things in the right way. We can have the methods. We can have the promotion. We can have everything else. But if we are not spiritually strong, we're not going to function very well. The third thing is building team unity. And this is what we want to see among our missionaries in Atlantic Canada, is a unified team uh, doing a good job for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our goal and that's our purpose. I was thinking about how much influence the West, Western Canada, has had on the East. Um, We have... Uh, a lot of camps across Canada. We have approximately 40 uh, Bible camps. Some run year-round. Some are very large. Some are very small. And it's similar to that here in the Maritimes as well. But uh, I was thinking about the beginnings and how people from the West came East and ministered here. I don't know if any of you have ever lived out West. Uh, I call out West anything past Ontario. Uh, I don't know if you've ever lived out there. But one thing you'll discover is that the West is relatively young in history. Uh, We have King's Landing down the road here a little ways. And then you go to Halifax and you see historic buildings that date back 200 or more years ago. That's not true when you go out West. I was visiting Centennial Village, I think it is, or Centennial Park in uh, Calgary a number of years ago, and they had uh, a prospector's cabin that they had set up there. And I said, well, how old would that have been? Oh, they said maybe 1910, 1920. And so the West is relatively young. But interestingly enough, the gospel, the, uh, the, the ministry that we represent with CSSM and, and really NBBI is part of that, um, it came from the West. John Parshower came out here and, and planted the seeds and did the work and, and, and worked hard to establish what we have here today. And, 
and through the work of NBBI, which has grown and, and become a great influence in the Atlantic region, uh, a, lot of, a lot of small communities are reached by pastors from this school and, and uh, out, outreaches that are being held in out-of-the-way places, in small places. And so God has really blessed. Another little work began a number of years ago about the same time at... Uh, uh, down what we call Hampton Bible Camp, and that was once a Bible Institute too. And it was also a Westerner that came out here to get that work established. So the West has had a, a big, um, a big influence on the East. Uh, I'm not going to spend my whole time uh, talking or giving you the big promotional or the big sell. Um, I do want to share God's word with you, but just so you know, I have these little cards that I hope everyone got a hold of, and if you don't mind hanging on to it and refer to it from time to time because uh, there are areas that we need help in and uh, we are looking for um, young people, we're looking for married couples, we have some camp directing positions that are open and work that really needs to be done. So there are all kinds of possibilities and sometimes we can tailor make certain things. If God is calling you, we can work with you and encourage you in certain areas. So just whatever God does uh, in that. I want to say probably uh, this past summer was one of the best I remember. Um, my wife Maureen, by the way, she's sitting there. Um, my wife Maureen and I traveled to um, all of the camps except to Newfoundland, and we had the opportunity to minister at Hampton Bible Camp and at Sandy Cove, and we enjoyed those times. And those times were times that we got to know some of you students who were working diligently at those camps. And we had really, really good staff this summer. And we're so thankful for that. And we know that that's only going to build as time goes on. So we're, we're grateful for that. Uh, Lord willing, uh, we will be back with a few more people in the end of January and the first day of February. Uh, for, I think, three days of chapel, and we will look forward to that. At that time, we'll probably have more material and more idea of next summer's programs and want to have that, uh, that available to you. This is a hard time of year because all the brochures are last summer's and we don't have new ones done yet and all of that. So um, that's what kind of made necessary putting this little card together. And... Um, I'll be here till sometime after things die down up in the dining room and uh, this afternoon. And Dennis, you're sticking around for a little while to talk to anybody that wants to talk. And you know, uh, sometimes mission reps, I, I don't want to give them a bad rap. They're a great bunch and I've met a lot of them and enjoyed them. But sometimes if you're not interested in their ministry, they're not interested in you. Now that's the exception. But I'm interested in you. And if God isn't leading you to CSSM, that's fine. I am interested in, in what you're interested in. And so if you want to talk to, to myself or to Dennis, or my wife, uh, we're, we're glad to talk to you about those things. We're glad to be in uh, conversation with you. Let's look in our Bibles this morning to a very familiar passage, and it's over in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, down at verse 38. Now I noticed the, the notification on the screen this morning was for Martha to appear somewhere at the office of the Dean of Women maybe or some bad place like that. 
right? Okay. We're going to talk about Martha today, all right? But not this Martha. We're going to talk about a different one. All right. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went, he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Our our gracious Father, we're thankful this morning for this student body, for this school and the staff that are here laboring faithfully for you. We thank you for the hearts that have been changed over the years, the lives that have been transformed, people that have been sent out to minister to uh, so many others around this continent and overseas. And Lord, we just pray you would bless each one. Bless our time together as we look into your word and help us to meditate upon it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. By the way, if I end early, I have a short little video I want to show you. I won't do it right now, but I have a short little video. I was talking to someone last night and asked how long school's been going on. I should know that. I I keep track of things on the calendar, what's happening here. But it surprised me a bit to think it's only been three weeks, I believe, since you arrived here. Not quite even? Three? Three weeks? Something like that? And so um, uh, things are just, you're just getting in the groove. Things are just beginning to happen. You're beginning to get the feel of things. And if you're a first-year student, uh, you're learning the ropes a little bit and some of the do's and the don'ts. And hopefully you get those all taken care of. I was thinking back to when I was getting ready to come to NBBI. I had never been on the campus before, so it was all brand new to me. Um, some people uh, come to retreats, come to conferences, and they know staff from having been at camps with them or having heard them in their home churches. And I didn't have that so much, but I remember coming here to school. I remember the excitement of packing everything up that I planned to bring with me and getting everything loaded in. And the uh, gentleman that I came with, uh, one of the senior students, owned a Volkswagen Beetle back in those days, and it was pretty hard getting everything packed in that he had and that I had, but we arrived here A-OK. And so you pack everything, and you get everything jammed in there, and then you come and you arrive at the room, and you look around at the room, and you say, where am I going to put all this stuff? Plus, you've got a roommate in there with all of his or her stuff, and where are we going to put all this? There's not room for all of this stuff. And so you have packed all the necessities. You've got your iPod and your iPad and your eye teeth. And you've got everything packed. And uh, you're all, you just, you know, you're excited about this. And then you think about all these things that you got in your suitcase or in your carrying bags or your totes or whatever you have. You have all this stuff in there. And, and you look at some of it and you say, why did I bother to bring this stuff? Your mother said, now, foot powder. You need to bring foot powder. Don't forget the foot powder. You're saying, foot powder. I don't need foot powder. And on and on it goes. But maybe there's some stuff that you packed away that you really, really should have left home. Some stuff that really, really doesn't belong here. Really, really shouldn't be part of your life. 
And you may still have it here, but you may have it tucked away back somewhere. I'd like us to flip over to Hebrews chapter 12 for a moment. And there's a verse that um, I often refer to because, yeah, I don't know, I guess it, re- uh, it applies to me in a, in a lot of ways. And I think all of us could probably um, take note of what it says. Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here we're told to lay aside not only the sin, but the weight that so easily ensnares us. I brought with me two suitcases. I brought a red one, and I brought a blue one. And I want those two suitcases to represent what's said in this verse in Hebrews, because notice what it says here on this one. Can you read it? We'll let this great big suitcase represent the sin which so easily besets us or ensnares us. All right? We'll let that suitcase stand for that. Okay? That's the bad suitcase there. All right? That's the bad one. Here's the other one. And this one isn't quite so bad. Um, I'm, I'm going to let it refer to the one that's the, the weight. But the suitcase that's filled with good intentions... Okay, not necessarily bad things, but good intentions, suitcase full of good intentions. So I want those to represent what we just read in Hebrews. And then I want to refer this all back to the story of Mary and Martha. You know, these are very obvious suitcases, and maybe you have one stashed in your room similar to that or a couple. But there is baggage that we carry with us in our minds and in our hearts, that sometimes will interfere with what we came here to do. The unseen baggage that we carry around, the sin which so easily besets us or ensnares us. And this all becomes uh, very real to us as we read this familiar story of Mary and Martha. When you're bumped, when something hard comes into your life, what spills out of your life? Because we can go along on an average day and things are going well and we don't have too many complaints and nobody has crossed us and we haven't run into any big problems. But all of a sudden something happens and and catches us off guard and we're bumped. And when we're bumped, what spills out? What spills over? Is it the joy of the Spirit of God that's dwelling within us? Or is it anger and bitterness that, that which comes from the world and the flesh and the devil. Which is it? Sometimes it surprises us. I remember an incident quite a few years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, where I was at a gas station filling up my car with gas, and there was another customer there, and he did something, and I cannot remember for the life of me what it was he did. It was insignificant enough that it wasn't something that stuck in my mind. But I'll tell you what I do remember. It rubbed me the wrong way, and it bumped me, 
And it wasn't the joy of the Lord that flowed out of my heart at that time. It was anger and bitterness because I felt he had done something to infringe on my territory. So what we are really deep down inside often shows up when something unforeseen takes place that causes us anger to well up in our hearts. With that in mind, I want to share uh, three little points from this story. The first thing I want to say is that Jesus was not condoning laziness on Mary's part. And he won't condone that in us. The one thing, the advantage that Jesus had was that he knew what was in Mary's heart. Martha didn't know that. No one else sitting in the room at that point knew that. But Jesus knew what was in her heart. He knew that she was hungry for the word of God. She knew that she was willing to listen to him. She was open to him. And so he would have required as much of Mary as he did of Martha. In fact, if you think about it, Martha volunteered. Martha offered to serve. Mary didn't. She just sat down and was willing to sit and listen to Jesus. He knew it was a special time for Mary in a spiritual way at this point in time. There are those moments in our lives when we just need to get alone and get with God and get away from everything else and just sit and listen, sit at the feet of Jesus. And that's what she was doing. However, sometimes it's easy to pretend, especially at MBBI, that we're on some kind of a spiritual pilgrimage. Oh, you can't bother me with that right now because I'm having my devotions. Yeah, well, that's good. Have your devotions. That's important. But there are things that need to be done. And there are duties that we have to perform. And so we set aside the time for our devotions. And we have to set aside the time to do our part and carry the load. One of the best training parts of training that I had here at MBBI was doing gratis work. They don't call it that anymore, but it was it's what called student ministry or something. I don't know what it's called, but your work, right? You get your hands dirty sometimes. You get the unpleasant tasks that have to be performed, and that is good for us. And Jesus does not expect us to be lazy when it comes to those things. And yet there are those times, and you will know when they are, And he knows when they are, when you need to just sit at the feet of Jesus. God is blessed by the work of our hands as well as the times of our devotion. So one thing, Jesus didn't condone Mary being a lazy person, that's for sure. The second thing I see here is the the things that are good can sometimes get in the way of our relationship with God. This suitcase full of good intentions sometimes can get in the way of our relationship with God. Martha was really good at serving. And I look at your faces, and I don't know all of your gifts and abilities. I've heard of some, and I've seen some of you in action at camp. And I know what some of your gifts and abilities are. And some of, them you, some of you are very good at them. But it's possible to have things that we're really good at get in the way of serving the Lord, getting close to the Lord. Yes, she was good at serving. She welcomed Jesus into her house. Hospitality isn't a specific 
spiritual gift as far as I know. There are theologians here that would be able to back me up in that, I think. But um, nevertheless, I believe it's part of the greater package called helps. And we notice in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, it says a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable. That's one of the criteria for a bishop and able to teach. Now, Martha had all the company's coming cookbooks right there at her disposal. She had the finest china, perhaps. She had the linen tablecloths that just appointed everything just perfectly. She was going to set a beautiful table for the master, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Martha had made a commitment to serve, and by implication she had committed her sister Mary to serve as well. It was almost unwritten, and it was almost expected that if Martha was busy, Mary should be busy. I don't know if you've ever got roped into one of those situations or not. Has that ever happened to you? Somebody started a project and just naturally assumed that you would be right there with bells on, ready to help them, ready to lend a hand, ready to do the job. No? Never had that happen? Well, it's happened to me a few times. Back when I was in high school, our church uh, leadership, our youth leadership, decided that we should have a gospel group that would go out to different churches and, and have services and sing and do all kinds of things. They had all these plans made. And somehow or other, I was chosen to be the preacher. They selected me for some unknown reason. I was 17 years old and um, hadn't preached and uh, didn't really know how, but they selected me. But they did this all without my knowledge up until they said, oh, by the way, you're coming and you're the preacher. Well, you know how I felt about that. Like, don't I get any say in this? Don't I have any part to play in this, in the decision-making? And I'm sure that's how Mary felt at this time. Don't I get any say in this? Don't I have any decision to make? And so sometimes we do that. We're guilty of it. We start something. We expect our families to jump on board. We expect our, our co-workers to jump on board. And we have not done the due diligence and begun to bring them along with us and, and tell them what we're doing and involve them in the decision-making. And that's important. Sometimes we do that with God, too. Have you ever just asked God to bless your plans? Oh, God, I've got this idea. I'm, I'm going somewhere. I, I need money, and I need this, and I need that, and God bless me. And you've never consulted with him about what it is you're planning to do. You've just decided to do it by yourself. So we need to include him. You see, to Martha, the meal was the thing of primary importance. Getting that meal on the table was the big deal. And yet Jesus told her that Mary had chosen the better part. Now, guys, what's better than sitting down to a good meal, right? How could there ever be another better part than sitting down to a nice roast beef dinner? Tell me. Yeah. But Jesus said, no. Mary's chosen the better part. Mary's forgotten about food for the moment. Mary is sitting at my feet. Mary is learning of me. And her heart is open, and she is receiving what it is I am feeding her 
spiritually. I've discovered this over the years. Not much has changed since those days. More people will show up for a party than will show up for a prayer meeting. Did you ever notice that? Call a prayer meeting. How many show up? Two. Call a party. Who shows up? Everybody. Everybody likes a party. Everybody likes a banquet. Everybody likes food. We kind of capitalize that on that in, uh, in our CSSM ministries. We have banquets all over the place all the time. A lot of people will come. A lot of people will give money. We call it a prayer meeting. Not so much. So, it's most often those who love the party that will reprimand those who choose to pray. You ever notice that? Oh, what are you guys doing? Why are you spending your time there? Come to the party. So Martha had transferred her ability, even her gift, from that of a virtue to a vice. Her gift of serving suddenly ended up over here. And that was not a good thing. Third thing. We often turn our frustrations into an accusation against God. Did you notice it in the text? Did you notice what was said here? She basically accuses Jesus, says, uh, Lord, you don't, do you not care for my, that my sister has left me here to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Do you not care? Tell her to help me. See, she may have thought that Jesus was purposely detaining Mary from her duties, keeping her away from her appointed task. That was not the case. But at the very least, she thought, Jesus should have seen what was going on and how I'm working my fingers to the bone in order to have a meal ready when you guys are done talking in there. And he should have noticed this. And he should have done something about it. Do you think Jesus did not notice that? I'm sure he did. You see, it says Martha was distracted with much serving. I got interested in the word serving and looked it up in my Strong's Concordance. And you know what it says? Dia. Konia, or diakonia. I don't pronounce Greek very well. The deacon job. I am frustrated up to here with serving. When things aren't going the way you want, or even the way you prayed, do you say it's your fault, God? Do you lay the blame on him? In this, you need to think about it. She was also accusing her sister, number one, possibly of being insensitive to her, and possibly, number two, outright laziness. Mary, you don't care, and you're lazy. And so she was basically judging her motives. A little thought in closing. I like to do this when I'm studying scripture. I like to think of the antithesis, the other side of the story. Let's just suppose the situation was reversed. 
Suppose that Martha had been joyously preparing dinner and she was walking with a spring in her step and she had a song in her heart and she was singing away, having a great time preparing that meal, just bubbling over with enthusiasm. No concern that Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. No concern of what else is going on, who is or who is not helping her. And Mary turns to Jesus and said, Will you tell her to cut out the singing? It's too much. It's driving me crazy. It could have happened that way, couldn't it? It could have happened that way. You see, if that had been the case, it would have put the lie, and by that mean, I mean it would have shown how false Mary's devotion was, wouldn't it? It would have shown that she really wasn't as sincere as she appeared to be sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything he had to say. But she didn't do that, obviously. It does point back to Martha again, that her heart, though she was willing, though she had good intentions, was in the wrong place for the wrong reason. It would have made um, Mary's intense devotion to Jesus words just like Martha's complaint. And uh, that didn't happen. Young people, uh, many challenges come our way. Sometimes we're faced with situations we wish we weren't in. We have to serve regardless. We have to give our best shot at it. We have to do... uh, Put all the effort into it, we can, even when we don't feel like it, and even when there are not others coming along beside us to help us. May God grant you that attitude that Mary had, devotion, but a willingness, on the other hand, to serve, that we can get a balance in these things and not let our best, our passions and our best abilities stand in the way of our service for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we have a great God. He knows each and every one of us, and we're all made up different. Uh, we, don't, um, we don't think the same always. We don't do the same things. Our gifts and abilities are certainly different, and yet you can take each of us, put us together, and make us a, a, an important and a forceful team for you. Lord, we pray your blessing on this student body. Guide us through the rest of the day, we pray in Jesus' name.